0: This is Attorney Andy Marcantel and Attorney Mark J. Victor. We are the Attorneys for Freedom, and you, my friends, are listening to the Peace Radicals Podcast. How's it going, Mark?
1: Dude, so excited for today's show, man. I got a good friend of mine, brother Maj. I know we're going to get to that in a minute, but I'm so excited right out of the box to get this guy on our show. He's a fellow Freedom fighter. He's got a lot to say, so I want to get this show off. I've been waiting for it for a long time. Let's get going, man.
0: Try to contain your excitement. It's hard, man. I'm I'm not good at containing, man. (laughs) That's not my specialty. well first why don't we start the way that we've been starting shows by maybe somebody's clicking on this video maybe they're learning about the live and let live movement for the first time in a nutshell we like to start the show with what is the movement about so mark take it away Yeah,
1: let me just say live and let live it is what it sounds like right live and let live if you like that phrase you are gonna love the live and let live movement and so what we're talking about here are rules right the world has rules Some rules we call legal rules. We call them legal rules because if you violate those rules, something's going to happen to you. There are other rules out there in the world that we call moral rules or ethics rules. These are still important rules and stuff we need to talk about, but you can violate these rules if you want. That's a big difference in types of rules. So what should the legal rules be? Well, what we're saying is really simple. The legal rules ought to comply with live and let live. What does it mean to live and let live? It means don't be an aggressor. You're in charge of yourself. You're in charge of your body, your property, your money, your time. Do anything you want with it. Some people say, okay, Mark, to a point, that makes sense. Yeah, it does, to a point. What's the point? The point at which you're interfering with somebody else. The point at which you're an aggressor. What's an aggressor? Somebody who uses force or fraud or coercion or does something that puts another person or their property at a substantial risk of harm. That's the point. If you don't do that, you get to do anything else you want. That's what we're saying. That's what live and let live is about. But you can't stop there. And the reason you can't stop there is because we're not just going for freedom here. Freedom's important and we got to get to freedom. And frankly, if we got to freedom, be a huge Huge improvement. If we could calibrate the legal rules around what we call the live and let live principle, that'd be huge. But you know what? Andy, we live in a global community today. And we we should go for everything. This is a big movement. Let's go for peace tired of talking about it. Everybody through history has talked about peace, but they don't have the right formula to get there. What's the formula? You got to get the legal rules calibrated around the live and let live principle. And then you need to say something about ethics and morality. We don't all agree on this stuff and that's fine. People should come up with their own morality, but that doesn't mean we can't push some values, some ethical values. And we are. What are we pushing? Open-mindedness, tolerance, Voluntary kindness as contrasted with coerced kindness, right? That's not kindness. That's not charity. Voluntary kindness is done because it comes from the heart, comes from the right place. In civility, let's talk. Let's agree to disagree. Let's have a civilized conversation. We, We have a good argument here. There's no reason to start calling each other names or treating people poorly. We're all brothers and sisters. We're all on the planet for a short time Let's be civilized. And things like justice, things like being committed to the truth and facts. How do we get there? Through rational thought and rational thinking and inferences from facts. Why do we care about this stuff? Because we're trying to optimize human happiness while decreasing human suffering. And one thing that's just so great about this movement, it's already uniting the world had this big conference this weekend, Andy. It was an Africa conference. That crowd over in Africa, these are young, energetic.
0: I love Team Africa. Yeah, team, so inspiring. Yeah, Team
1: Africa's the bomb. Team Africa tells me every time we get on with them, we're going to lead the world and live and let live. And right now they are. There's about 10 countries over there. They're hot to trot. They're flashing the shaka every time to me. We got groups starting up, one that's already in Poland, we got a group in Portugal, we got a group getting ready to start in Austria, we got a group in Australia, group in Italy, all over the place. People who hear this message are loving this message. What's our challenge here? Our challenge is to get the message across in a way that people can understand. So that's why we call it the live and let live movement.
0: Well, that's a phrase that already resonates with people all around the world. If
1: you don't like live and let live, something's wrong with you. Like I, I'll maybe spend <laughs> 60 seconds with you, but you got a problem with live and let live. Is there your problem with the live part or the let live part? Like I'll, I'll spend 60 seconds with you there. But, but after that, if you still disagree, have a good life. I'm watching my wallet as I walk away from this person, right? Because this is somebody who, by definition, if you disagree, you're somebody who likes to initiate force or fraud or coercion. You, you're an aggressor. So I hope there's more of us than there is of you, is what I'll say. And I think there is. I think, I think there are more reasonable people on the planet than unreasonable people. And we're trying to get the message across. And our guest today Man, this this ver you have a hard time finding a good more intelligent, more impassioned, more eloquent speaker than the guy we got on today. Well, so let's, why, get, him let's involved. get him in Let's get him in, yeah, man. So we
0: got Maj Touré today. He's a political activist. He's a hip-hop artist. He's the founder of the group Black Guns Matter, and he's appeared uh, all over the news, all over many people's podcasts. We just saw him at Freedom Fest uh, a couple of weeks it ago. It was great
1: running there. into him, and you know, this is, he's a great example of what we're talking about with this movement. As far as I'm concerned, this is an absolute brother of mine. And he looks totally different, and who gives a crap about that? We don't, I mean, we don't care about that. What, what is in the man's heart? What's his character about? That's what I care about. That's all anybody who's reasonable should care about.
0: Maj, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm good, man. What's up, y'all? How y'all feeling?
1: He's, so, think, he's thinking it's too early for Mark Victor today. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: no. Listen, that, that's, that, that energy and that, that passion about liberty and freedom and you know, allowing someone to exist in their own space without feeling the need to have to interfere with their space is theirs. I can learn something from it. I can appreciate it, or I'll, at the absolute minimum, I'll learn. Maybe I won't do that, so I'm still learning something. But now nah, that energy, man, is it's infections. It's infectious. It's warranted
1: and appreciated, my brother, for sure. You know, I gotta say, I, I started off with Maj. On a kind of a weird footing. The first time I ever met Maj, we were showing up. It was a gun event. So, you know, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm a gun guy, but, you know, I'm not really a gun guy. I'm a freedom guy, which makes me a gun guy. I'm I'm as much a gun guy as I am a weed guy or an alcohol guy or a prostitution guy or whatever. You're in charge of you. I'm a you're in charge of you, I'm in charge of me kind of guy. So, Maj shows up and I'm thinking, all right, here comes another gun guy. And he starts giving this awesome, impassioned speech. And I was up after him and I thought, all right, I'll listen to something I'll I'll ding the guy on something man the guy was solid really so I said one or two things I I didn't agree with so I thought I'd ding him a little bit on that to my surprise he took it with with as the constructive criticism it was and then I got him back to my house and the dude says to me I'm a freedom guy. I'm not a gun guy. I thought, are you kidding me? We should be talking about freedom. I love guns. It's a fun topic to talk about. But the reason we take this position on guns is because of the position we take on freedom. And so when I met, that's when Marge and I became brothers right there. I remember exactly that was. We were
2: at Danny and Cheryl Todd's place. Yes, we were. It was AZ Firearms. Huge, beautiful family. Love those folks over there. And what you said was cuz i was talking from a position of someone that's been arrested yeah um bail to me was always like to get out of jail but not free card yeah and we were having the discussion about bail and i'm like yeah you just bail out and then whatever and you were like no bail is ransom
0: <laughs> and i was like
2: <laughs> i thought about it and i was like no that's right that's better than what i was on like that and that's it's very simple somebody can when you when you engage the person's character, and my life has been um my ability to exist and stay alive, a lot of times in my you know past has been based on my ability to read and assess situations. And my ability to read and assess the situation is is this person sharing some information that is superior to the information that you have? If so, I don't really care if they're trying to like. One up you there's is better. Yeah. That's smarter. Yeah. That makes more sense. So when I, when it's like, well, why would you pay to get out of jail if you haven't been proven to do anything wrong yet?
1: Yeah. You're presumed innocent, presumed innocent, right? Right.
2: So if I'm presumed innocent and the arguments of, cause since then I've said that I've changed that entire philosophy to no, no, he hasn't done anything yet. And it's like, well, it's just to make sure that he'll come to court. Well, no, because he could skip bail like he could just not still not show up. So but the concept of I'm going to hold you your physical body, we're going to keep it impounded until you give me money by definition is ransom and you have not been convicted of anything right there's an accusation
1: i don't care how ugly the accusation is right the the government doesn't get to bring an accusation and then start punishing people and that that's what we do as criminal defense lawyers and you know i was listening to a book this week and i'm going to totally paraphrase here but uh, the point was made that Socrates made the point that I'd rather be wrong than be right. And I totally yeah. buy this point, right? Because if you're right, okay, great, you're right. Uh, you haven't learned anything. You haven't changed anything. Unless yeah. you're trying to pretend that you, you're correct about everything. And all. I mean, this is just stupid. And so I yeah. love it when somebody shows me I'm wrong about something because it's an awesome – opportunity for me to stop being wrong about a position and start being right, right. about it. That's also, more important also to me. Also
0: paraphrasing Socrates, didn't he also say that the wisest man is the one who realizes he knows nothing at all? Isn't this, yeah.
1: this is a great point? This is how, this is an enlightened mind, right? This is what we right. gotta, we gotta get people off this attitude. You're trying to school me stuff and get him into, right. yeah, I'm just interested in, like, what's gonna make life on the planet Earth better for us human beings in the really short time that we happen to mm-hmm. a into existence. I can't believe the stupid stuff we're still hung up on in 2021. Are you kidding me? We're still talking about racism? I can't believe a, we're, we're talking about this. I
2: think this. that there's a, there's a legitimate... Um, I understand why. So when you talk about the conversation of race, there's two reasons in my experience of why we're still discussing. One, because it's still being pushed. And two, I, I think the portions that are being pushed aren't as valid. Um, I think it's the the, the division polarization of the media. We got tickets to sell. We'll get people picking a team, you know, and if you pick that team, you're going to die with that team and to the chagrin of everybody else, right? There's one part. The other part, while it's still talked about or it still exists, is because our nation collectively hasn't really atoned for some of the heinous acts that it has done. And I think sometimes there's there's a way of explaining that where it's individually, I'm not going to be trapped by race. Uh, I'm just not going to be doing it. Like, at the same time, when we say, you know, we watch all of these great TV shows and movies, you know, last year I started watching Game of Thrones for like the first time and I was enthralled. yeah we And both everybody wanted uh, Khaleesi to get her rightful position. Yep. And then everybody yep. wanted was like, oh, well, actually you know, spoiler alert to, to anyone who hasn't seen it. <laughs> Everybody wants Jon Snow to take his rightful position because he was wronged decades ago, generations ago, his family's family. So we understand these concepts of, hey, a right way back in the day, there's no there's no statute of limitations on murder, right? right? So if we acknowledge this and we say, yes, our nation had an American, had a stain on our flag, right? A big one. Yep. If we haven't atoned for it, and then the, if, we isolate, if we isolate it to black folks, right, when we haven't atoned for it and then we also say, yeah, black people got the short end of the stick in American history with this the transatlantic slave trade and things like that, if we haven't atoned for it and then we kind of like throw our our, our our, you know, we thumb ourselves up at the people that want to have a legitimate conversation about the healing that could come from it, when we go, oh, you're just looking for a handout Or And it's like, nah, I don't even know how reparations would work. Never mind the fact that we didn't even get to the conversation about the American government said, hey, we did you guys dirty way back in the day, the whole 40 acres and the so-called mule conversation that they reneged on. Like, so that's another part of why, you know, in urban America and more specifically Black America, that conversation is so raw because you say, well, we don't have the money to how would we do it? Before Johnny Cochran died, he put together. He was working on, um, like, a reparations fund for corporations, not the average white American. Like, oh, you're white, you had something to do with slavery. That's not how it went, right? But at the same time, there were certain charters and corporations, Wells Fargo, Citibank, that had a legit hand in this slave trade. And he obviously we know he passed before that. But my point in saying that is, nowadays when we even start to have the conversation about what happened in attempting to make people whole, those people are ridiculed. They are painted as, you don't love America. They are painted as lazy, you just want a handout. And it's further salt in the wound when when you say, well, we don't got the money for that. One, corporations that still exist do. Two, last 2020, I think there were six so-called bailouts with trillions of dollars just thrown. Never mind the fact that other indigenous groups, Jewish folks, have been addressed with that. So, you know, I kind of went off on a tangent a bit, but I think from several layers, not even saying that the people that were willing to have that conversation about um, race in America as as it pertains to black Americans and their descendants, not even to say that those people know the actual answer, but it comes off a little bit rude when it's like, oh, it's like the worst thing that you can do is just dismiss someone without actually trying to hear where they're yep, coming absolutely. from. Absolutely. So I think those are the two areas. And I think the second one feeds back into the first one, because then media says, see, those white people hate you. Great. And then, see, those blacks are lazy and they just want to hand out. And they put that messaging out to different demographics, so then you get right back to, the, to this thing. Totally. As opposed to saying, hey, we all agree with accountability. If you don't, then, okay, we can't even have a conversation. Right. Are we agreeing that this American government and corporations, maybe not necessarily the people, right, benefited from an atrocity? If we can at least get there, okay, then then what does it look like to start that conversation? I, I think even the conversation itself, even if it takes five years, 10 years for that conversation to hash out, I think that the conversation itself could be such a unifying tool because there's no way to promote racism the same way to both demographics if there's a conversation happening. You 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 made an
0: extremely interesting point, Maj, that I've never even thought about, which is that, you know, the the usual recoil and kind of dismissal that you'll get from the average uh, kind of white person is that? Uh, oh, I didn't have anything to do. It wasn't me. Maybe my ancestors. Maybe not my ancestors. Wasn't me. Um, and uh, I tend to agree with generally that kind of a thinking is that people should yeah. be held kind of personally accountable. But any lawyer will tell you that corporations, we treat in every other aspect of the law, we treat them as entities. Yeah. And these were right. entities great that were complicit in a horrible, horrendous atrocity that still exists today. Yeah. And I think and this. It is-
2: The companies still have massive profits. Even if they they got nothing.
1: Even if they got nothing. If there should be a judgment against them, there should be a judgment against them. But, you know, I think... This is a great conversation. I'm glad we went off on this tangent because, you know, I like to start all of these conversations exactly the same way. And this is one of the things we're trying to do with Live and Let Live. We got a mm. principle. Let's apply it. Okay, so, right. so how do we apply it to racism? Well, first off, the first thing I think we should say is you had a right to be a racist. You, right, you've you got to right the trying to exterminate all racism from the planet is an ethical goal of mine. I think this is really dumb. But if I yeah. don't succeed and someone out there is a and it could be racism works in all directions. You could be a black right. guy who hates non-blacks. You could be a white guy who hates blacks. Everybody hates Jews. Uh the, you know, you could hate you have every right to hate whoever you want to hate as long as you don't violate that rule. So you could be a peaceful jerk if you want. I think you could even say, you know what? I'm not doing business with that person. If somebody says, look, I hate blacks and I hate Jews and therefore Mark and Maj. I'm not doing business with those guys because Mark's a Jew and Maj is a black guy. So I'm not, I, I support, legally support that guy's right to not do business with me. Right. So as a legal goal, we our legal goal is not to get rid of all racism. Legal goal is to make sure the laws comply with the live and let right. live principle. So if that jerk wants to, say he's gonna punch Maj, he's gonna punch me, because okay, now he's violating the rule, now we got something to say about it. In the ethics world, yeah, we should talk to that guy and try to convince him that he shouldn't be a racist, this is dumb, but at the end of the day, we got no right to tell him what to think. Now in terms of crimes that have occurred, Crimes have occurred in the past. Some right. people have violated that same principle as to other people. And what we should do is like what we do with every other violation of the principle. We should do our best to hold those people accountable. So I'm not saying that you're a member of some group and some group committed a crime, therefore you're responsible, or someone in your group was A victim of a crime, therefore, you are a victim. I'm not saying that, but the point Maj makes is a great point. If Corporation X actually did something that violates the live and let live principle, they're guilty. If we can figure out who the victim is, and there may be a way to figure that out. Maybe money was stolen from some person's great-great-grandfather. And if we can trace that lineage and they can make a a case, we can get from A A to Z on this, there should be consequences. I don't care about a statute of limitations. If the right. case can be proven, then we should we should seek justice. But to try to approach it with a broad brush and say everybody's right. going to have to pay everybody else, and if you're in this group, you pay. This isn't the right way to fix this problem.
2: Right. It's, it's just not going to work. There's an example of this. There was, I think it's, I want to say, I forget what city it is, but I know it's in L.A., but I forget what the name of the particular beach is. There is a county... Or an area where there was a black family whose home and land was taken during that time. Last year, sometime, I'm mean, now the property's worth like $50 million, right? They traced the paperwork, ran their lineage back, and the city had to literally give the descendants of that family that land back. It's the right now, answer. The right answer. Not the state, right, because the state, the state sanctioned that. Yep. The state was like, that's what all you know civil rights violations, like with the whole Black water fountain, white water fountain, the state supported and sanctioned legislation that enhanced bigotry and made it lawful, yep. you know? And so with that being the case, these things can be approached the same way. Now, the other arguments of, well, man, if they just gave the people that qualify, if they gave those people, those corporations gave the people, you know, I don't know, arbitrary number, $100,000, the only thing they would do is spend it right back. I don't care. Right? That's on them. That's on them. I, if you wanted to just go buy the, you know, the whatever, had a great you time. Can in Miami you can do whatever you want.
1: You want to buy drugs and smoke it and use it and, and buy prostitutes as long as you don't violate the rule. Do whatever you like. Care. Right. Right. We can,
2: These are concepts that. That's why I, you know, I, I've, I've over the last few years I've been in a lot of conservative in a lot of conservative circles. I, I like conservative values when people are actually applying, cons- trying to conserve, right? We want their, their moral and ethical positioning is, hey, I want a certain institution of Christianity or Judaism or insert whatever thing, right? I want to maintain that. I want traditional values. I want a nuclear family. I identify with that. The, the difficulty that I've had with some li- uh, conservative rooms is Because they understand, like I drink, I drink and I smoke cigars, right? That is poison. There's no other, it's poison. No doubt. Sweet, sweet
0: poison.
1: It's just so sweet. It's just an amazing poison,
2: right? I share your vices, my friend. The question becomes, okay, you don't like poison. You think drugs are poison. Your moral conundrum is this one that the state has sanctioned is okay, but this one that the state has not sanctioned for their own biased reasons is now not okay. When you look at it that way, when I say to those conservatives, hey, if someone wants to shoot heroin, they have the right to shoot heroin. They can't get past their moral conundrum because their wiring has told them that drugs are bad with the contradiction of. Hey, you know, and it's a, it's a clear you okay. So is wine wine's not bad because Jesus turned water into wine. Okay, well during Prohibition, wine was unlawful. Yeah. So now what you I'm know, s- and so that's the difficulty in those conservative circles where to get them to the live and let live thought process of, yo bro, for you, if you feel those things and one look at your intellectual inconsistencies. Let's one first look at that. For self, not yeah, for me, for right. you. Yep. And two, wherever you land, you just have to accept that that's for you. You don't get the right to tell, or you can ostracize by voluntary association or disassociation. You have the right to say, no, you drink wine. No, you smoke weed. Yo, you do X, Y, and Z. We're having that moral conversation and leaning it into a legal room is where it becomes like dangerous as hell. You know what I'm saying? When you start getting the state to sanction things that are in violations of individual rights, and that's the part that um, conservatives are almost, in that area, conservatives are almost like the modern liberal. The conservative is supposed to look internally, change self, change family, change your household for the better, change your neighborhood, and we don't even need the state liberals current definition of liberal they believe that they're doing the greater good for the community the world and whatever by using the state yep. to implement it backwards it's like a top down approach as opposed to from the ground up they both suffer in certain areas when that legality comes up against their moral conundrum yes, that's absolutely. where live and let live. Yes. You hit
1: the nail on the head, my man. And you know what? I'm going to go a step further, and I'm going to take the blame for this. This is our fault because we, Mm. the people who understand this stuff, have done such a terrible job at communicating this. Let me give you an example of stuff that I personally have done, Ron, for decades. (laughs) I start the conversation like this. Hey, I think meth should be legal or I think taxes are theft, or I think we don't need the government. So when they hear this, I haven't led with the principal, they're thinking just about this issue. They don't even know how to think about the issue yet. And then just of course they turn their brain off and they don't listen. But to start the conversation with the principal, Smart people understand the importance of fundamental principles, right? Principles are really important. When we start with this principle and we say, look, there's a difference between the legal thing and the moral thing, like we got to get them to a spot where they can say, you know what? I think prostitution is a sin and it's immoral and it's terrible. And I try to talk everybody out of doing it. But I recognize that that's my moral position and as a legal matter. I support it being legal because they're not violating that basic important principle. When they get that, then I know the light bulb went off. Now they're one of us. And if we're not having that discussion with them, how can we expect them to get that? When we just lead with we should legalize prostitution, they're thinking that's immoral. And so I'm against Mm -hmm. it. This goes against my Uh religion. We got to get underneath this and really Mm -hmm. talk to them about how to think about these issues, which is why whatever question you ask me, and see, I've decided— I'm in charge of me, right? Habit one of the seven habits of highly effective people, my favorite book in the world. Habit one, I'm in charge of me. You can do whatever you want to do, but I'm in charge of me. So when you ask me, hey, Mark, how do you feel about this issue? I ain't taking, I'm not going for that. I'm not biting on that hook. I'm going to answer it like, I'm going to say, well, thanks for that question. Let me tell you, and no matter what question you ask me, I'm a live and let live kind of guy. And I emanate from a principle. Here's what it is. Here's what it means. Now I'll talk about the issue. You are not going to rope me into talking about that issue without first laying down that principle every single time. And I want them to roll their eyes and make a face and say, ah, yeah, okay. Yeah, Mark, we know about your damn principle. We heard it a million times. Good. I'm going to say, until you understand what the hell I'm talking about, you want to disagree with it? Let's talk because I got to sell you on this principle, but you got to get it in your head difference between legal and moral there's a fundamental principle it's live and let live i mean what are you going to argue no i love live and let live but i think it's okay to be an aggressor that's not a very good argument you know and then it's it's,
2: it's almost like saying so that's what i do with the gun within the gun classes when i go when i say to people well you're actually not anti-gun very few people are actually anti-gun there was a movie i give this example all the time i think it was hacksaw ridge where the guy was like I don't mess with guns. And then he gets like drafted into the military in the mm-hmm. middle of a war. And he's like, yeah, I'm not using a gun. And held onto his principles in the middle of a war. Yep. That guy's anti-gun, and I respect it. Now, when you say to somebody, when they go, I go, man, you're not as anti-gun as I thought you were. And they go, no, I'm anti-gun. I'm like, nah, man, you're very empathetic. You're very objective. You know, even if they're not the best at those two things, I'll go, well, no, you're empathetic. You're talking to me. Clearly, I'm a pro-gun and pro-liberty person. And they go, well, no, nah, but I still... I'm like, no, nah, man, I believe that you, we're, you're having such a fair conversation with me right now. If somebody came up right now with a gun, and there happened to be a gun right here, and they were trying to kill us, I believe that you would... If I couldn't, you would take that gun and you would protect me and protect you. Right. No one says... No, I just let the guy kill us. Like, no one's going to say that. So to your point, Mark, making that person think and go, yeah, you aren't anti-gun. You, where we agree is, you don't want the senseless and ignorance associated with the use of a firearm, and we agree there. You also, maybe where I challenge them to look at themselves is, by taking the position that you are having, because you're not anti gun You may actually be inadvertently trusting the government more than you think. And when I say that, they go, well, what do you mean? And I go, well, if you're not asking for all guns, including the police and military, to not be a thing, then in essence, you're kind of almost saying, hey, let's corral all of the guns to the police and the military, which means you trust this government to be very, very fair if we don't have the means to defend ourselves, but they have the means to initiate acts of aggression on us. And when you start getting them to your point, when you start getting them to think like, well, shit, I don't know if I want, I don't trust the government like that. And it's like, yeah, I don't either. So that's why I want to have the means to protect myself from rogue agents of the state, from very bad people, regardless. of, It could be a postal worker. It could be a fireman with the gun. I don't care. I just want to have the means to defend myself. When then they go like, oh, okay, I'm looking at this all the way from a, I'm letting my emotions about the trauma that I don't like associated with firearms, I've lost someone to a firearm. Somebody, kid got to a gun. The first answer is, in their mind, if that gun wasn't there, this wouldn't have happened. Yeah. But the broader picture is, okay, if we're going to remove guns, Do you think that we should take them from law enforcement and the military? Do you think that the politicians would even want that? Because they have private security details. So do you think that they will be okay with that? And lastly, the actual bad guys that have firearms, because they exist. Do you think the actual bad guys are going to say, well... They made this like a rule, so <laughs> got to turn
0: these in now. Guess like, we it's can't not violate the live and let live principle anymore. They made it a rule. Right. That's always right. stopped them before. Right. Maj, well, as I was listening to you, and your points are so valid here, and I think about the person that you're trying to convince and kind of walk him down this path and understand the freedom argument, I just think about a point that Mark just made, which was a misstep of his when he used to lead with legalized methamphetamine and abolish the government. You can see
1: that, though, right?
0: Oh, I mean, he has an article literally (laughs) called legalized methamphetamine that I've seen him send to judges, prosecutors, and everything With an
1: exclamation point after (laughs) methamphetamine. I think
0: about Maj. All the unfortunate amount of heavy lifting that you have to do in that conversation, just because yeah. they saw that you were associated with something called "Black Guns Matter," or but they saw you on Fox News giving commentary or something like that. Yeah. There's a number of assumptions that they make about you that makes it easier for them to dismiss what you're saying, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. oh, I'm anti-gun. I see. I see that you're for an issue. It's because you know everybody's got their pet issues that yeah. they that they're activists about. Um, and yours is rightfully about guns uh, but getting somebody to when leading from the freedom principle right like when when you were telling the story um, earlier Mark where you and Maj started talking and you realized the reason why Maj is pro-gun is because he's pro-freedom yeah. and he believes right. in this concept yeah. of live and let live so leading with the principle that's really something that we're trying to do with this movie in fact
1: yesterday uh, we, we recorded an episode of this podcast with uh, Cheryl on the, oh, the yeah. same yeah. person you were talking yeah. about at the beginning and She's a gun person. She does gun freedom radio. And we started talking about the gun issue. And I first led with the live and let live principle. And I said, look, obviously, if you're violating, um, if you're using force or fraud or coercion and you're using a gun to do that, okay, that's all out. Right. So armed robbery is out. Assault with a deadly weapon is out. That's these are obvious things. But then the right. next question is, is there something that you could be doing with a gun or just maybe by having it in your hands that could cause you to be a substantial risk to another person? Don't you agree? Nobody should get to be a substantial risk to another person. She said, yeah. So she, at first she couldn't think of anything, right? Because, And then I said, look, what about guys who have proven to us from their past conduct? We call them violent felons, maybe even mm-hmm. violent felons with guns, guys that have done drive-by shootings over and over. Can we say, look, a gun in your hand, we're satisfied you are a substantial risk to other people with that gun. If that's true, then why can't we say, look, you can't have the gun? She pointed out, well, what if the guy isn't anymore? I said, well, if he's not anymore, then he's not a substantial risk and he should be able to have the gun. We can figure this yeah. out. It's called... Now, I did a bad thing in the past, I'm now applying to have my gun rights, we can have a hearing on it, we do it all the time. Andy and I get people their gun rights restored here in Arizona all the time. If you're really not a substantial risk to another person, you should be able to do whatever the heck you want to do. And right. then I said, what about mentally incompetent people? People who just don't know. They're not, in connected, not connected with reality. A, a Simply having a gun in their hand is a substantial risk. I think there can be other areas too, right? There are certain weapons that require a little bit of knowledge so that you're not a risk to another person. We could go down the line and talk about the... A nuclear, biological, or chemical weapon. Yeah, there are lots of things about that that could cause you to be a substantial risk. But if you can, there might be ways that you could have such a weapon with such a safeguards on the way it's stored and the way it's used and the way it's maintained, that it's actually not a substantial risk. If it's not a substantial risk, I got no business complaining about what you're doing. That should be the test. We should always return to the live and let live principle and say if they're violating the principle for any reason, we do everything we can do to stop them. But if they're not violating the principle, it's none of our business. It's a, They should be left the hell alone. But we should give a fair and reasonable analysis without any sort of preconceived notion on how it comes out. It's not that I'm a gun guy and I think everybody should have everything they want. It's that I'm a freedom guy and everybody should do whatever they want as long as they respect the rights of others to do whatever they want. If we just applied that rule across every issue, we get easy answers. And what Maj is saying is, Look, reasonable people are going to agree with what I just laid out. If you're really not a substantial risk to another, you imagine a situation, you're really not a risk to another person. Then I would say on, on what basis would you complain about this person doing whatever it is they're doing? They may say, no, he really is a risk. Okay, let's talk about that. That should right. be the I th- inquiry.
0: I, I don't know if you noticed Maj's uh, wardrobe change during that rant, but I think everything <laughs> you're saying can be summed up by his hat there.
1: Absolutely true. <laughs> Mind your business, right? It's just simple. Simple. It's, it's a.
2: It's a. It's a. There's been benefits in confusion and complicating issues. If if I know that I can get something fixed very simply, and and I create a business around it, I'm gonna make it seem more complicated than it is. Yep. Because I want you to think that I am the uh, the my, great and mighty odds as opposed to just going, hey, bro, like even the gun. So violent, let's say the most, I think, rape and um, murder, unjustified murder are like the worst. Yep. They're like the worst. you a scumbag to yep. me. Right. Let's say those are the two guys that are just horrible. They go to jail for 20 years or however long they got to be in jail. They come out of jail. I don't even think that there should be a there should there's just no guns in jail when you come out. Now, I'm I'm even with the compromise being, hey, your criminal history is as such. The only area that I have for some wiggle room on this statement that I'm about, about to make is the conversation in regards to, hey, if you're if you do this again. You your rights are restored. But if you do this again you're going to get double the time that you had if you did 20 you do this again you're going to get 40. if that conversation was had guys would one go hmm i'll get back into my every routine of life because that's what the constitution and the bill of rights says it doesn't say shall not be infringed unless you went to jail for some time it's not what it says so if that guy goes to jail, and if if the conversation has to be, hey, do you not want your rights back, or do you want do you want to be a prohibited person, or do you not want to be a prohibited person? Hey, I don't want to be a prohibited person. Cool. With that, you have offend, you've you've done a you've been proven and done your time of a violent crime. If you want your prohibition back, that runs the risk of if you do this again. I'm not saying in self defense. If you do this again. You get double the time. Do you agree? This can be very simple, or that person can say, "No, I do not agree. Um, I don't. I want to be. A, I still want to be a prohibited person." And that person probably is, in essence, saying to us all, "No, I'll probably rob again. That's why I don't want to run the risk of having my rights back. And then if I do it again, I have to do double the time. These things. And obviously, there's different ways to work that out." But I believe that if that person, if prison, if prison is supposed to be for rehabilitation, it's turned into something else. But if it's for the thing that we say it's for, one, is he rehabbed? Two, has he done his debt to society or the family or the victim? Has he made those people whole for the violations that he did on their private property or their estate? And if so, he's out of jail. If he has not satisfied that why is he out of jail
0: yeah maj you're full of really interesting ideas if i understand it correctly what you're proposing basically is rights restoration based on contract principles right something that is explicitly stated and something that's explicitly agreed to
2: and if you don't agree then okay well i'll even go further for some of my friends on the left well maybe he's agreeing because he knows he's came out of jail for 20 years and all he knows is how to sell drugs Cool. If you don't agree, let's work with you while you're working out of jail. Let's have something that works you into a work-study program, and let's revisit this conversation in a year. In one year of you working and studying and building homes, these big cities have tons of abandoned buildings. They're... I could get Home Depot to put up some money towards we have guys coming out of jail that have learned to trade while they were in jail. We took some of the money that they were making and made that family whole. These guys have a nominal or basic understanding of carpentry, electric, whatever, whatever. We're going to help these dudes build homes. If they do three months of this, we have a, uh, we'll give them housing. The quicker they help fulfill those things, then we can start to say, okay, This house is going to be numbers 785. We're collectively building this house for this person. Then after you get the job working, now you got to pay rent or buy the house off. We're showing people how to develop equity in their life. But that's actual rehabilitation. But the reason why these things don't really come about is because prison is no longer about rehabilitating the person that has done the wrong thing to the people or to a person or to property. It's not about that. So now we got to have a bigger conversation. Now you're talking about rumbling guys that got the resources of a big pharma or a big tech. And they don't want America or some of those people in those positions in America, they don't want it to end because they're actually addicted to the crime that they've manufactured.
1: Yeah. Dude, you made so many good points. It's hard to even address and respond to all of them. But just a few kind of reactions to some of the things you've said. I loved how you started about it maybe it's not doesn't have to be so complicated right I really think that the live and let live thing that we're pushing here, it's actually kind of a simple solution to almost all of the, and maybe all of the at least artificial problems that we have. We have tons of problems that we, the collective society, the government, whoever, we have created these kinds of problems, prison overcrowding and everything connected to the drug war. That's an invented problem. We could solve that immediately with a really, really simple answer. Maybe, okay, this doesn't solve cancer. Answer. It doesn't deal with hurricanes. There are other problems we still got to deal with. But so many of the problems we're dealing with right now in society are a function of the fact that we have created them. And very, very simple answers. We didn't have these problems. Look, before the government was printing money, we didn't have problems of the government spending so out of control that it was. When we were back on the gold standard and the amount of money in the the community was fixed, we didn't have these problems. We created a new problem. So I like that. I love what you talk about in terms of people getting their rights back. What I would say here, and this is a big point in in what we're offloading with Live and Let Live... Look, the principle is what I'm trying to get agreement on. How you implement this principle, reasonable minds can disagree, and this is what we like to push out to local communities. I like what Maj is saying, which is, hey, look, if we could imagine that prison actually was rehabilitative, and that we're, we're spending money on not just punishing people and packing them away in solitary confinement, but in other places in the world, and I've read this, and we could do this, by the way, if we stopped prosecuting victimless crimes, and we took some of that money and started putting them into rehab programs. There are other prisons in other countries in the world where the inmates eat with the guards. You know why? Yeah. Because they're trying to integrate them back into society. They're going to be out, they're going to be outside at some point and we need to get them transitioned into a way where they can live in a civilized world. So if you could imagine a system that actually focused on rehab. So we're saying, look, by the time we spit them out, they're actually rehabbed or said another way, they're no longer a substantial risk of harm to another person, that we got no business taking anything away. I could see right. that as an option. I could also see a different program, which is, okay, you get spit out. Now you're free, but we still don't really trust you to not be at risk of harm. We need to see some time living in society. And then the burden of proof is on you. You request the hearing. You come in. Here's the criteria we're looking at. But if, the, if we make a judgment that actually, look, you've checked a bunch of boxes here. It's been X amount of days or years, and you haven't committed any problems, and now you're living a stable life. And a judge signs off on, hey, this guy is no longer a substantial threat. Could be a jury as well. I don't know how we're going to resolve it. It doesn't have to be a one-size-fits-all solution. Why on earth? this is another big mistake that the freedom crowd has made. We're at each other's throats on these little dinky implementation implementation, implementation issues. issues. Yeah. We push all that down to the to the local community and say, look, get get me agreement on the principle first. Let's get that join arms. Let's hug each other. Let's be brothers and sisters on the principle. And then, then some of the tougher areas on how you implement this, let's let the local communities decide. Let's see right. how it turns out. If Marge's rule turns out really bad, these guys are all BSing us and they start blowing each other away. We say, you know what, Marge's Rule, not a good rule. Let's do a different rule. Maja's rule right. may turn out to be a great rule. Hey, there's no reason for all these extra hearings that Mark likes. Why not rehab them while they're in there? Do something productive with the time. And when we kick them out, let's treat them as full citizens. Let's uh, let's assume that since they've been rehabbed, they're no longer a substantial risk. Let's see how it works. And of
0: course, at that right. point, other local communities are going to start adopting Maja's uh, method. And right. It's a market. And, 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 and
2: the local communities will be very specific because. Like, as I traveled all last year, because I I never stopped traveling the whole time, right? It becomes, okay, well, this area isn't impacted by these things because, well, there's not 8 million people in this city. Yeah. So, like, it's like, yeah, well, my neighbor is a mile and a half down the road. So, that community isn't impacted the same way by certain things as other communities are. These things... You know there's a phrase you know all politics are local yeah. right yep there's power in that and there's power to go you know we in philly if you say i'm gonna go get a cheesesteak you don't say i'm gonna go get a philly cheesesteak right you just don't say it yeah you know like in china i can imagine i've never they been, don't say but chinese food right? they yeah. say, <laughs> hey i'm gonna go get some chinese yeah food. right right <laughs> Things are very relative to the locality that they're in. Excellent point. And so, like you said, the the one size fit all. No, this worked for Portland. This will work for a city that's similar. Population density, distance between homes, average uh, income. These things, okay, they work for similar cities. This will, you're going to crowd the people of, I don't know, that that lives in cities and. Idaho, they're going to be like, what What are you, what, this just doesn't even make sense here. It's an excellent point. We
0: want to celebrate our plurality. We yeah. want to celebrate, we want to have lots of little laboratories going with and, a marketplace and, of ideas. And you
1: know, we want to be so focused on critically getting this important principle across that I don't want to be distracted by these yeah. other little issues. Like, I'll tell you, Maj, some of the things that we've stripped away here that we are not discussing, not arguing about might surprise you. Like, for example, uh, is capitalism better than socialism? We don't take a position on this. Who cares? As long as the rule is not being violated, right? So, voluntary capitalism, free market capitalism doesn't affect anybody's rights. There's no live and let live principle violation here. Crony capitalism Capitalism, there definitely is. Yeah. Voluntary socialism. Look, if you guys want to get together and pool your money and pay bills out of that common fund, there's no rule. There's no principle violation there of the "live and let live" principle. Have fun. I don't need to be bashing on socialism. But if you want to drag other people in, you want to say, "Hey, let's form a communally a thing here," and then we'll take this guy here that doesn't want to be part of it and drag him in and force him to fund it. Okay, that violates the rule, and for that reason, we're against it. That's all I gotta say about capitalism and socialism same thing about the government hey mark should are you in favor of big government small government no government let me tell you what on government As long as the government doesn't violate the rule, because no person can violate the rule, no group, no corporation, Mm -hmm. no government. If the government isn't violating the rule, what do I care about the size of government? Do I need to get into this argument about no government or small government? Foolishness. Why I should get to the principle, hey, Mark, are you a natural law guy? Are you a social contractarian? Does the Lord say follow the live and let live rule? Did I and Rand say it? Is it an economic thing? I don't touch that. If you can get to live and let live, that's all. how you get there, I don't care about. And then all these little implementation issues at the end. Mark, what's a substantial risk? I don't know. This community might be the, ah, come on, get over it. Nothing's really a risk over here. The other community might be the weenies. Every little thing is a substantial risk to them. Okay, there's going to be some variance here. It has to be within reasonable tolerances, right? right? we got to look at this and say, look, um, take, for example, the age of consent. We all agree that a competent adult can do virtually anything they want but what's a competent adult there's lots of disputes here we don't have to have the one-size-fits-all rule we may say 18 another community may say 17 another community may 16 but if a community says eight okay now we got an issue right we got to be able to say to them look We're all trying to get this rule offloaded correctly. There's a range of reasonableness. But eight years old, this is outside the range of reasonableness. And so we're not going to let you do that. And the reason we're not is because you're violating the rights of the eight-year-old is what we're really saying. We're going to defend the rights of that eight-year-old because, no, that eight-year-old can't can't consent to a prostitution agreement. Even if they sign a contract, sorry, we don't recognize that. There are ways to deal with this stuff. And the reason we're stripping all this stuff out is because if we don't get this principle across we will never never succeed at getting to a free world free and peaceful world and you know what time is running out smaller and smaller numbers of people can do greater and greater amounts of harm this pandemic mm. thing this was a warm up this was a maybe naturally occurring but there's bad guys out there working on real deadly pandemics we got to get a yeah. handle on this we got artificial intelligence coming we got still nukes all over the world i mean does it make you feel uncomfortable that if india and pakistan get into some kind of an argument the whole world could be blown up right. like we got to right. win this argument in a hurry and the only Way we're gonna win it is if we focus like a laser beam on that one principle that unites all of these issues. So I'm saying if you're listening to the show and you're a gun guy, you're a weed guy, you're a gay guy, your issues taxes, your issue, whatever you don't be that. Be a freedom and peace guy and push the principle. And and that's the real question for everybody. Are you really are you big enough? to accept that other people can live their lives in ways we don't like, ways that are immoral or unhealthy or bad or, or, or violate this or that, as long as they don't violate, through, if, you, if you're if you not big enough to tolerate that other people, they get to eat different foods and sing different songs and believe whatever the hell they want to believe about the world, even if you don't like it, the freedom right. is not about the right to let other people do whatever the heck it is you think is okay. Freedom is, right. that's not a freedom question. Do Are you big enough to, recognize that people can peacefully do things that you definitely don't do and would never do and would try to talk them out of. If we don't focus on this issue, we are never going to get there. But the good news is if we do focus on this, this is an easy argument. We, we just need to pare this thing down and reach out to the reasonable and just lead with live and let live and bust. I don't feel bad about pushing live and let live at all.
0: You'd be hard pressed to find a person that when you, when you say, Hey, are you for live and let live? They take a strong anti live and let live <laughs> position.
1: It's foolishness on its face, <laughs> you man. Never do.
2: I would love hey, it. Y'all, I'm, listen, I'm getting out of here. I got another one coming up. I appreciate y'all tremendously for having me on and, sharing this concept with the world man i think that um i mean it's distilled and it's very simple yep and i'm trying to come up with ways or arguments that somebody could oppose it yeah i'm I'm having difficulty which means it's it's something we got something amazing and solid here mark whatever you need from me to help push the live and let live movement i'm down 100 percent Dude, I'd love Uh, for you to
1: start a chapter up there in Philly, man. We'd need a a chapter. I'm
2: opening an actual center in Philly in a couple of weeks, too.
1: Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's get a Live and Let Live group up there and do some meet Once a month, let's just do a meeting on Live and Let Live, get some people pumped up about this stuff. Soon we'll be doing marches and conferences. This thing's going to grow big, man. I want you to be a a leader. You need to be a founder of this movement.
2: I'm with it. I'm 100% with it. I'm ghost. I'm out. I'm going to catch my next interview. I appreciate y'all all tremendously. Um, everybody needs to be listening to this podcast and, and listening specifically to this Live and Let Live movement. It's simple. You you already agree with it. And it's solution-based. So I appreciate y'all. I'll talk to y'all in a bit. Let's wind Thanks, it up, Maj. Benny. All right,
1: peace. Thanks, brother.
0: Wow, this has been a great conversation, Mark, and uh, we want to thank our guest, Maj Touré. Everybody go check out what Maj is up to, too. The guy's an amazing, amazing uh, figure in the freedom movement. And go check out Black Guns Matter as well as all the other crazy projects he's been up to. And, uh, Mark, I think you're going to be on his podcast uh, soon, too. Yeah, you know,
1: Maj, I, I know him personally. He's been to my house before. He's an incredibly fun guy as well. He's just a great human being, and... Uh, he, he understands this stuff, which is really great. And so it's just an honor to have him on board. It's been great to have him on our podcast. I'm looking forward to working with him to build Live and Let Live.
0: Everybody go check out liveandletlive.org for this podcast and many more. See what else we're up to. We've got all kinds of great stuff going on, chapters forming all over the world. We've got events coming up. You can sign up for the newsletter. We'll fill you in on all the details on the movement. Exciting stuff happening here and more and more people joining every day. This has been Attorney E. Andy Markin telling attorney Mark J. Victor. Until next time, we're the Peace Radicals. Peace. Peace. Peace!